We have been talking about how spiritual disciplines help us to become better connected to God. And this morning is the last lesson in our series, Finding the Way. Uh, We start down the road of using disciplines to connect with God by recognizing that one of the biggest obstacles to us effectively growing through spiritual practices is our negative relationship with time. We are always so busy and so stretched, and there are always so many things that are demanding our immediate attention. And in the middle of all that, we have to take time to be quiet and to listen for the voice of God. And so one of the first principles that we learned is that in our relationship with God, it cannot be all about us uh, talking and asking and needing. We have to take time to listen. We next discussed how important it is to stay connected to God through His Word. God's Word is both instructive in that it tells us things we should or should not do, and it is also descriptive. It illustrates the nature of our relationship with God and His love for us. By studying the Word of God, we are like a tree that is planted by the water. We are constantly being fed and given what we need. Next, we explore the role of prayer in helping us to know God on a more personal level. Through prayer, we get to know God better. We begin to pay attention to what He is doing around us, and our eyes are opened to where He is working and moving. Through time, we begin to better align ourselves with God and His purposes for our lives. The more we talk to Him and look for Him, the more places we are going to see him. And furthermore, God gets to know us better through the conversation that we have with him. And he wants us to involve him in every part of our lives. God knows us, yes, without us speaking to him, but he doesn't want to read us like a book. He wants us to engage him in conversation, to to pour out our hearts and what we're feeling, what we're thinking to him at all times. We talked about the tool of fasting and how important fasting is in connecting us to God. It's important because when we fast, we state that it is God who sustains us and holds us up. We proclaim that our need for God and His presence is even greater than our need for food, something that we need every day to stay alive. We fast primarily as a way to connect ourselves to God, whether it be seeking a blessing, to ask for forgiveness, or to align ourselves with Him as we move forward into any season of life. And we learn that fasting also gives us the opportunity that while we are denying ourselves, we can pour ourselves into other people and serve others by sharing the love of God to the world. Lastly, we talked about service. If we really want to be like Jesus, then the place where we start is not by going to worship or going to church or even reading our Bibles. It's it's serving other people in a radical, self-sacrificing way. Jesus is the model of the godly servant. He served everyone even though they were not worthy. And he served completely, giving up his rights in order to help and love other people. He humbled himself completely, and he served without expecting anything in return. And he calls us not just to serve, and not even just to be servants, but to make ourselves slaves so that others will come to know the love of God. Silence, study, prayer, fasting, 
and service. So why is it important that we do all of these things? They're called disciplines. Um, and we've talked a lot about connecting to God and getting to know God. You may not have thought about this, but these disciplines take us through a progression that transform us into disciples of Jesus. Let's just take one more look. First, silence. In our silence, there is a recognition of need. We are quieting our voice, acknowledging that we need to hear the voice of God above all the other noise that surrounds us. The silence that we give him is really an act of submission, of saying, you are God and we want to hear you. Study. When we study the word of God, we begin to know the voice of God. We learn about uh, what he has done, who he is. We learn of his power, of his love, of his faithfulness. Through prayer, when we pray, we engage God on a more personal level. We invite him into conversation, sharing ourselves with him, asking him into every part of our lives. And this is less about form or structure and more about opening ourselves up to who God is in each of our lives and what he might have in store for us. When we fast, we acknowledge that we are dependent upon him. By denying ourselves, we push ourselves to align with him, knowing that our self-centeredness is one of the primary things that gets in the way of what he wants for us. And then through service, we become a representative of God to the world. We follow the example of Jesus, humbling ourselves so that we can release the love of God. This is the product of our coming to know God and forming a relationship with him. And it shows the transformation that the love of God has brought about in us. So do you see sort of what happens as we engage these things? It, it starts with a simple recognition of God is, moving into learning about him and paying attention to him, drawing him into our lives, submitting ourselves to him and, and denying ourselves so that we can hear him and follow him and then serving others in an active way. There's one more discipline that I want to talk about with you this morning, the capstone to this process of aligning ourselves with God that I just described. It is the discipline of celebration. As the people of God, we should know how to celebrate. In his book, A Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes, Joy is the end result of the spiritual disciplines functioning in our lives. God brings about the transformation of our lives through the disciplines, and we will not know genuine joy until there is a transforming work within us. In other words, if we go through this process of getting to know God and aligning ourselves with God, the end result is not just going to be that we look more like Jesus or we are more his disciples. It is going to be that we experience joy and a life of celebration. It is celebration that brings life and joy, you see, to what God is doing in us. It is this happy realization of who God is in our lives. But let's be honest, okay? Not everyone gets excited about the change that God may want to carry out in their lives. In fact, there is often a negative take on the fact that God wants to change us at all. I've had several conversations with people over the years where they have asked questions like, well, if God loves me and God created me, then why does he want to change me? 
And thinking about this point of view, it occurs to me that this question is really kind of the wrong question to ask, but it's not the fault of the questioner. The person who asked this question, you see, understands Christianity to be about following guidelines. Uh, you do these kinds of things if you are a Christian. You don't do these kinds of things if you are a Christian. Uh, here's the music you listen to. Here are the movies you can watch. Here are the things you can say. Here are the things you can't say. Therefore, to these people who view this change in this way, the whole idea of that change is superficial. But notice what that question is really asking. Why doesn't God love me? And the application that we have too often given communicates to these people, not first that God loves them and then that he transforms them, but we have too often commun communicated that, that the Christianity is about a lifestyle and not a relationship with the living God. And of course, people are going to be turned off by the idea of change if they have not first met the God whose love changes everything. So here is sort of a core principle for us this morning. God is not simply changing us to make us into little God robots. He is doing much more than that. God, you see, is redeeming us, and that redemption doesn't simply change what we do. It transforms who we are. As we say here at this church, the love of God in Jesus changes everything. It transforms everything about the world that we live in. It changes the way we understand who God is. It changes the way we see ourselves in relationship to God. It redefines community and what we can be. It, it reframes how we see the needs of the people around us. The change that comes in us is not simply a change for change's sake. We are not doing Christian things simply to do Christian things. Instead, it is a transformation as the redeeming love of God seeps into every corner of our lives. Our lives cannot help, but be different. The result of this saturation of redemption, this knowledge of God's love, is joy and celebration. Listen to these words from Jesus, taken from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. What he's describing is not a keeping of lists, even though I know it says, follow my commands. Let's back it up to ask ourselves the question, what was God's command of Jesus? Was it that he live a perfectly moral life? Well, I mean, Jesus did that. But, but God's command of Jesus was much greater than that. God's command of Jesus was that he communicate and live out the love of God in the world, that he demonstrate how much God loves the world, that he die 
for the people that God loves. What he is describing here is not a keeping of lists, but a transformative loving relationship. He is loved fully and completely by God. He has shown that same sacrificial love to us. We follow his commands because we love him and he loves us. And the result of all of this is joy. Joy at being loved by God. Joy at the changes that God is bringing into the world through Jesus. Joy at the changes that he has brought into our lives through redemption. The change that God brings about, you see, the transformation is literally the best thing to ever have happened to us. And because of that, we need to celebrate. So why is celebration a discipline? I mean, shouldn't celebration be something natural? Yes, it should. But I know this is true for me, and maybe it's less true for you. Celebration is not really our normal state of being. And there's a really good reason for this. We don't celebrate as often as we should because life can be really, really hard. Uh, Nisha works for the Sonoma County Office of Education in their special ed department. And one of the things that they talk about often is the amount of trauma that students have been through over the last three to four years. I mean, if you think about it, there have been fires, floods, fires, power outages, fires, a pandemic, fires. When Sonoma County was told to wear masks uh, back when the whole pandemic thing started, we all just pulled out our N95s and kept chugging along because we already had them. We were already used to living in this state of sort of heightened awareness. When we face these kinds of things over and over again, things big and things small, our last impulse is to celebrate. Our first impulse is to complain, to wonder about the unfairness of it all, to wish for things to get better or to go back to a certain way. Again, Foster writes, it is important to avoid the kind of celebration that really celebrates nothing. Worse yet is to pretend to celebrate when the spirit of celebration is not in us. We are not always going to feel like celebrating, and we should not force ourselves to rejoice when our hearts are not in that place. But there are plenty of times when we can celebrate, but we don't. And this is why we have to practice the discipline of celebration. We have to choose to live a life where we rejoice. Now, the good news is that when we can remove ourselves from all the circumstances around us that keep us from rejoicing, we find that we always have a reason to celebrate. So how do we begin to practice celebration? There's a scene from The Lion King. Uh, when Simba has run away, uh, his, his uncle and the hyenas are trying to kill him. He goes across the desert into the wilderness. He ends up with uh, Timon and Pumbaa. He's living this carefree life, but he's run away from his problems. And when Rafiki the monkey finds out he's still alive, he goes out and he tracks him down. And Simba runs into Rafiki the monkey. And Rafiki leads him out to the water, and he goes out to the water, and in the reflection of the water, he sees his ghost father. Stay with me here. 
And he has a conversation with his ghost father, the former king. And his father, Mufasa, tells him one thing over and over again. He says, remember who you are. Because Simba had run away from all of his problems. And in doing so, he had forgotten that with his father gone, he was the king. And his father was challenging him to reclaim his true identity. What is the key to us celebrating more? It's for us to remember who we are. As those who know the love of God, we always have reason to celebrate. And it is that, the celebration, that draws us back into the love that God has for us and the gift of his redemption. Paul puts it this way, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this passage has always been a difficult passage for me. And the reason why this passage is difficult for me is that I am someone who struggles with depression and anxiety. And there are a lot of times where I don't feel like rejoicing. I mean, what does it look like for Bryce to celebrate? What does it look like for Bryce to just be happy? Who knows? There are a lot of times where I don't feel a celebration in my heart. And when I read this message, this passage, it's easy for me to feel like a failure because I am sad and I worry. This week actually was a terrible week for me to have to write this sermon because I was depressed pretty much all week long. But the beauty of what Paul is describing here is that it's reflective of the process that we have been talking about. The peace that we can have comes from us knowing God and drawing close to him which means that the kind of peace we gain is not some kind of generic one-size-fits-all peace. The peace that I can experience, the joy that I can have, the celebration that I can engage in is made just for me. You see, I know that God loves me even though I'm sad and anxious. I know that he redeems me even though I often lose my perspective. And I know that he is constantly at work in the world around me even though I cannot always see it. And for me personally, that is cause to celebrate. It is reason to rejoice. Because I have been about as far away from God as I could be, but God still took me back, and that is reason to rejoice. God continues to love me and be patient with me, redeeming me in new ways, and that gives me reason to rejoice. And I know that one day, I will be gone from this place, and I won't have to worry about sadness anymore. And that also gives me reason to rejoice. The point, friends, is that I have things to celebrate, things that are unique to me and my relationship with God. And these realizations and connections are hard-earned. 
No one could show them to me or give them to me. Instead, they are a product of me struggling and fighting and being loved by this amazing God. And ultimately, this is the transformation, the change that God continues to carry out in me. But here's the secret. All of us have this kind of story. Because God knows and loves each and every one of us. Individually. He redeems each of us. He transforms each of us in the ways that we need. And we get the opportunity to share this God who is redeeming us and redeeming the world with others. And listen, things are not always going to be great. There will be struggle. There will be times where you don't feel like you can rejoice or you can celebrate. But it is in those times where we remember that God is with us through the struggle that we tap into something that is real something that is genuine. This is what my celebration is about. Not that God has fixed everything, but that he is redeeming all things. He is taking the broken pieces and he's making something new. You have reasons to celebrate too. When things are hard, when things are good in all seasons, God is with you. God is redeeming you. God is changing your world. He is redeeming all the time. And again, Foster says in his book, Celebration of Discipline, when the power that is in Jesus reaches into our work and play and redeems them, there will be joy where there once was mourning. So, We're not just digging into these disciplines, church, to be better Christians or be better people. We are digging into them because we have a deep need for God. Because we want to know who he is. We want him to know us. We want to put ourselves aside so that we can follow him and love other people in a self-sacrificing way just as Jesus has loved us. And we want to rejoice. For this is not something that God is doing to us. It is something that God is doing for us, with us, as we walk alongside him. So my prayer for you this morning as we conclude comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you for these tools that you have given us that draw us into relationship with you. God, thank you for loving us and caring for us and being interested enough in us to make these pursuits worthwhile. God, thank you for redeeming us and the world around us. Thank you that you are constantly on the move. God, we pray for transformation of our hearts, of our minds, of the way that we interact with this world. And God, we pray that we may be a people of celebration for you have done so much for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.